With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is The Crossover, an NBA show hosted by Sports Illustrated's Chris Mannix and Howard Beck. It's a whole new level for you and me, Chris, this relationship. Like and subscribe for the best weekly NBA content these two are capable of. What does that mean? Could be the best duo ever. I don't see how you can beat that. Here they are, Chris Mannix and Howard Beck. All right, crossover NBA podcast, Chris Mannix and Howard Beck. Beck, it has been a few weeks now since we've been together. Vacations, other projects. Uh, Good to see you again, my friend. Good to see you. It has been. It's been like a a month or something. I think I've been on like seven different planes since I last saw you. Yeah, and I've been a few places as well. We are back weeks before the start of the NBA season. And look, there's not... A ton of NBA news to digest at this moment. We're going to get deeper into, you know, teams and specific situations as we get closer to training camp at the end of the month. But we do have a still evolving Ben Simmons situation. We do have the Hall of Fame, which had its induction this past weekend. Paul Pierce, Chris Bosh, among others, entering the Hall of Fame. So we'll get into that and uh, a few other topics here on the show. I guess, though, we should begin with Simmons because that seems to be the topic du jour at the moment as we are weeks away from Ben Simmons, maybe possibly reported training camp, the latest it 
does certainly seem like Ben Simmons wants out of Philadelphia. It does seem like the Sixers want to find a new home for him, but they understand that just giving him away doesn't bring them any closer to a championship. And Daryl Morey, one of the biggest star hunters out there, has to be keeping his eye on some of these teams that may elect to tear it down uh, before the end of next season. So, you know, the latest came out of the Philadelphia Inquirer a week or so back, you know, affirming that Ben Simmons wanted out. What what do you make of where we stand with Ben Simmons? So earlier this summer, I was firmly, firmly of the belief, we may have even discussed it, that there was no way Ben Simmons would be on the opening night roster or even the training camp opening day roster of the Sixers because too much has happened. Too much has been said. Too much has been alluded to. Like, it's clear they want to move him. It's clear that he wants to be moved. So that's that's just way too much tension to bring with you to the first day of training camp and have everybody there asking, so Ben, how do you feel about being here? How long are you going to be here? Or in the event of the... I still think unlikely holdout scenario. We don't really do holdouts in the NBA, but doesn't show up or maybe it's given permission not to show up. That's still hanging over the franchise. You're now missing your second best player and with no replacement in, in, in you know, ready to, to just take up all those responsibilities. And every single day you're going to have people like us asking, so Ben Simmons traded yet? No. How you feel about that, Joel? <laughs> How you feeling about your championship prospects uh, while your all-star running mate is is out there, sites, you know, the places unknown, not, don't know when he's going to get traded for for who? Like, that's way too much. And I still, Chris, think that there's, a, there's an urgency to get this done. But it's hard for us to say as we sit here a couple weeks out from training camp's opening that it will be resolved. In part because Daryl Morey is clearly holding out for a ransom, as he should, by the way. I'll defend him holding out for a ransom. Even if you think he's overshooting, that's, that's how the game's played. You, you, you over-ask, and eventually you hopefully get what you're, you're looking for. So I don't buy this idea that, like, oh, he's asking for too much, and that's why they can't make a deal. If they had a decent deal in hand, I think they would, they would make it. But I think there's something else going on here, Chris. And this is just speculatively pulling pieces together. Usually if you've got a star who you want to trade and who wants to be traded, you gin up the market, leverage everybody against each other, you get the best deal you can, and you move on with your life. This is the only case I can think of, Chris. And if you think of one that mimics this, let me know. But I don't think we've ever had a case where the reason potentially for the holdup is there's a really, really great deal to be made if only Bradley Beal or Damian Lillard would actually demand out. And maybe, maybe what's happening is, yeah, if you're Daryl Morey, yeah, I could, I could get some combination of some players and some picks and stuff. It'd be fine. But what if I do that now and then suddenly three weeks into November, the Blazers are two and ten or something and Dame says, yep, time, let's go. If you've already spent your Ben Simmons chip, the best chip in the NBA right now, and then Lillard or maybe Beal become available, you screwed yourself. And those are clearly and those are clearly the guys you'd want. So maybe it's just that. Maybe it's just a waiting game to make sure that they don't shut themselves out of the really big sweepstakes. I agree. Um, 
And I think what we're going to find out two weeks, three weeks from now is will Ben Simmons hold out? And that's the multi-million dollar question attached to Ben Simmons. I, I don't think there's any doubt that his days are numbered in Philadelphia. How high those numbers are remains to be seen. But Ben Simmons could take this to another level by holding out of training camp. It's not something we see a lot in the NBA. In the NFL, you see it all the time. In the NBA, you don't see too many holdouts when it comes to players and issues with their team. And Ben Simmons is in not a very good bargaining position because he does have four years remaining on his contract. So this is a dicey situation for Ben Simmons. Um, If he holds out, the Sixers can fine him millions. Like the collective bargaining rules say they can start dinging him seven figures, like real money. I don't care how much money Ben Simmons has made. I don't care how much money he's scheduled to make. That's real money that you start uh, getting dinged by your team. So we'll see if Ben Simmons, uh, his agents at Clutch Sports, if they are motivated to go that route because that would be one way that Ben could take this to another level. I mean, I think the way at this point, the way the Sixers hope it goes is Ben Simmons reports the training camp. He's a good soldier that after initial week or two of fervor, for, uh, feverish interest in Ben Simmons and his contract situation, his situation with Philly, that starts to die down a little bit. Never will die down completely, but dies down a little bit. And maybe Ben Simmons gets into the season and we start to remember that he's not just the guy that passed on the dunk in the fourth quarter of a critical game for the Sixers. He's not the guy that took three shots over seven games in the fourth quarter of that Eastern Conference semifinals against Atlanta. He does have a lot of positives, and those positives can be put on display in the first half of the season. That's what I think the Sixers are hoping for right now. Will they get it? I don't know, man. I, I At this point, and I've talked to a few people about it, I honestly don't know what Ben Simmons is going to do. I don't think the holdout is very likely. You you alluded to it. I, I kind of said this earlier. Like There aren't holdouts in the NBA, especially when you're under contract. He's under contract. And it's very clear. They have absolutely the right to find him every day that he's not present. They could give him permission to. They could do that, sure. But that's not helping them. And it's not helping him. If the idea for all parties, and they all should agree on this much, is to get him traded as soon as possible, then him not showing up is not helping matters. Because, one, it's putting them in a terrible position. Two, he's not out there playing in preseason games and then eventually regular season games to remind people once again, yes, he's one of the greatest defenders in the NBA. He's an elite playmaker. He brings a bunch of stuff to the table. Yes, he doesn't shoot. (laughs) Yes, that's frustrating. Uh, no, it's not clear when that will be resolved, but he's still an all-NBA caliber player. Warts and all. These are not new things. It reached a new height last spring, but his warts have never been unknown. But you do have to come back. You need to play. The Sixers need that stability. They need to win early games. They can't afford to be throwing away games early in the season while they're waiting to trade Ben Simmons, missing their second-best player, and then potentially getting in a bit of a hole in an Eastern Conference where they're going to eventually have to try to knock off the Bucks, the Nets, the Heat are coming hard. Like, the Hawks are, are in the mix now. You can't afford to just spend a few weeks 
giving away games. He's got to be there. He has to be there. And if he's not, they have to find him. Uh, it's their right to, and it's and it's the, the the right thing to do. Him not showing up, Ben Simmons staying out of camp, staying away from the Sixers is the worst outcome for all parties. And it's not going to help their trade position, their leverage around the league. It helps no one. Here's the question I have when it comes to Daryl Morey. Like one deal that I think will be or even is available to him is something involving Golden State's young players where you have Jonathan Kaminga, Moses Moody, the two lottery picks that the Warriors picked up. Kaminga looked pretty good in the summer league for whatever uh, that's worth. And you combine that with Andrew Wiggins' contract and you can flip them for Ben Simmons. Now, I understand that doesn't make the Sixers better. Like, not right away anyway, because Kaminga and Moody are years away from being able to contribute to a championship contender. What it does do is it takes the Simmons distraction away from the team and suddenly you've got a pot of prospects that could entice those teams that we're talking about, whether it's Washington, Portland, or somebody else to trade for uh, your uh, trade, one of their star players uh, in your direction. So that to me kind of lurks out there as as maybe a possibility. Because then you could throw Tyrese Maxey into that mix of prospects as well if you wanted to do kind of a prospect central uh, heavy deal. And look, maybe that's more appealing to some teams than Ben Simmons. I mean, the Houston Rockets didn't want Ben Simmons. Like that, that to me kind of speaks volumes about what NBA teams think of Ben Simmons. The Rockets are going nowhere. They elected to take a package of really picks because the players they got back not much, if anything, at this point, after the dust has settled. Um, they elect to take that package of picks over something that would have involved uh, Ben Simmons. So, you know, maybe there is more appeal if you're the Sixers to having Kaminga, Moody, Maxi, Wiggins' contract to flip again in a deal than just having Ben Simmons. Yeah, I mean, listen, I don't. I think the Rocket situation, they weren't rejecting Ben Simmons, the player, necessarily. I think they were rejecting the idea of, well, one, maybe trading with Daryl Morey um, and sending James Harden back to Daryl Morey. But two, you know, look, they elected to go the complete rebuild route. Let's just get a bunch of picks. Let's go. Let, let's give ourselves maximum flexibility. Yeah, they, want, acquire- they wanted to bottom out. They wanted, yeah. they wanted what they got. They and, wanted Jalen Green and the potential right. of Jalen Green to be a franchise player. Sure. And they got it. And and if you get Ben Simmons, now he's like, oh, Ben Simmons, now he's got to play with John Wall. And like Ben Simmons is already in his prime. So now do you have to win immediately? Is that possible? Well, he's still like, like 25. Yeah. Like, I mean, prime baby, but he's only 25 years old. Early so. prime. Early prime. But, okay. it, but it does put pressure on you. If you acquire a Ben Simmons right now, the, the uh, burden of, as a team is to now build around Ben Simmons and win right now. I don't think you're, you can't consider yourself a rebuild anymore. If the Rockets want to be full rebuild, like there's a philosophical point they made there that I think is defensible. Anyway. Well, you could have had him though yeah. for with five years left in his contract though. Like I yeah. mean, uh, there would, there would not be the yeah. u- there would not be the usual pressure that is on teams that acquire all star players. That usually yeah. it's like, oh my god, we got to get good in the next year or two, or else we have to trade him. They would have had at least yeah. three years, if not four, to figure out if the Ben Simmons, you know, Christian Wood player at whatever it was uh, core was what they should build around. So on, on the Warriors concept, like, could you trade him to the Warriors right now for Kaminga and Moody? Um, some picks, Wiggins' deal to, to make the money work and all that. 
and then have those pieces available if Lillard comes available. Yeah, possibly, but I got to think still, Chris, if you're the Trailblazers and if Lillard comes to you at some point and says, trade me, I'm much more interested if I'm Neil O'Shea in acquiring Ben Simmons and some stuff than having the Warriors package rerouted to me. Um, because I don't know what those guys are going to become, and I don't know how long it's going to take or when I'm going to be good again. And I'm giving up Dame Lillard, perhaps the best player in Blazer history, um, with, with, with all due respect to you know Bill Walton and, uh, and a whole lot of others. But um, I, I just I, – I don't – it's like they're in the same quandary. The Blazers shouldn't give up Dame Lillard unless they're getting a player the caliber of Ben Simmons, an established all-star, if they can. And the Sixers shouldn't be sending out Ben Simmons without hopefully getting a, a, an established star in, in return. So, like, I, everybody's in this waiting game, right? Like, imagine how much different our discussion is today in mid-September if Lillard had already snapped, essentially. If he had already said, that's it. I've had it. We're done. I don't see anything going on here. It's time. If, like, I... Th- I don't know if that means that Dame Lillard would be a sixer right now and Ben Simmons would be in Portland, but some stuff would have loosened up around the league on many fronts, including this one. Yeah, I, you know, if I'm the Blazers and the Sixers, I'm not sure why a Simmons-McCollum deal doesn't make sense. Like, to me, every time I think about it, it makes a lot of sense. Now, the Blazers did virtually nothing to upgrade their roster in any significant way at this offseason. They did nothing. I mean, I... I see the sporadic Woj tweets about like kind of these nobody guys that they're bringing in on two-way contracts or short-term deals. Like they, they, they have not done anything substantial to make that team any better. And I like Chauncey Billups a lot. He's got a good assistant coach there at Scott Brooks, but I don't believe a coach was the problem last year. I think fundamentally that is a bad defensive team that did not get any better. You make a trade involving Ben Simmons for CJ McCollum, you get better defensively instantly. Ben Simmons at like four positions is one of the best defenders in the entire NBA. So I, I don't know if that makes you so good that Damian Lillard's like, all right, I want to be here. I want to you know, be partners with Ben Simmons the next few years. But at least it's a shakeup with that team. And it gives you a chance to be something different than what you've been for the last couple of years. And if you're Philadelphia, yeah, Damian Lillard is the prize. You want to get your hands on him. But A... There are no guarantees that if Lillard became available, you'd have the best package to go and get him because we already saw the Rockets not keen on Ben Simmons. Maybe the Blazers will want to go that same direction where they want the full rebuild package, the draft picks, the pick swaps, all those things that go into uh, a big-time trade. McCollum, while not being Lillard, is a perimeter shooter, a high-level scorer, a pretty reliable 20-plus point-per-game guy for your team, a guy that I think would complement Joel Embiid pretty well, or at least a lot better than Ben Simmons has proven to do the last couple of years. You combine him with what you already have in Tyrese Maxey, who a lot of people I know are pretty high on. Tobias Harris had, you know, an all-star caliber season last year. You've got some pieces in Philadelphia that can keep you in the mix at the top of the Eastern Conference. I just think, you know, what is that phrase? Like, don't let perfect be the enemy of good. I'm probably butchering that, but like, you know, don't let you know, the trade you feel is the one that could change the course of your franchise prevent you, if it's not available, prevent you from making a deal that could make you significantly better. Yeah, like, the more I think about it, like, the, the more um, 
tangled and almost just a, 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 a um, unsolvable puzzle this could be, right? Because you think if you think about it, Neil O'Shea, in a heartbeat, I think, would trade McCollum and whatever else it takes to get Ben Simmons. Now he's got Simmons to, to pair with Lillard. You figure out the rest of it. Lillard is now, at least for the moment, satisfied that you've made a blockbuster kind of move to find a, a, a complimentary player that's also going to, as you point out, raise their defensive profile. And maybe that means now Dame Lillard never gets to the point of asking for a trade. So if you're Daryl Morey, you're sending Ben Simmons there for your second, you know, your second choice, McCollum, instead of Lillard. And in the process, possibly ensuring that Lillard never does become available. Um, but you're completely closing the door on many, on many fronts. You're closing the door to ever getting Lillard. And so Olshay would probably do that trade right now. Daryl Morey <laughs> is probably still saying, Neil, that's fine. CJ's nice. He'd be great here. But Dame would look even better. And if I don't make this deal with you right now, there's a, that much more of a chance that tomorrow or the next day, Dame's eventually going to say I want out. I mean, it's like there's a it's like some sort of like multi-level chess game going on here between not just those two teams, but the rest of the league. Anybody who's in on to Ben Simmons uh, talks, anybody who's monitoring Dame Lillard. Because um, it doesn't normally happen this way. Usually we have at most one disgruntled star in play at a time. It's not usually multiple and potentially swapping places with each other while their GMs try to figure out the timing and what's possible. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's complicated. Like this one's this, it's just more complicated than the usual disgruntled star wants out scenario where you just auction them off to the highest bidder. You know, one thing I would disagree with, I don't know that Neil O'Shea would do McCollum for Simmons. I, one thing I've gotten to know about Neil over the years, and most from people that do business with him, very loyal to the guys that he drafted and holds them in really high regard. And yeah, in, in some cases, that's a flaw, really, if you're overvaluing some of your uh, your younger guys or some of the guys that, that you draft. So I don't know. I mean, I think there's trepidation on both sides in, in making a deal like that. It, it, no, it's, it, Chris, it's a totally fair point and a good point, especially because we have years of evidence that Neil O'Shea does not want to break up that backcourt, though yep. many of us out in the pundit class have been saying for years, that you, and other people around the league, by the way, not just us in the pundit class, have been saying that you need to break up the backcourt. So he's stuck with them this long. Maybe he's going to stick it out to the bitter end. Uh, but he see you know, at least publicly, Howard, he believes that the coach was the problem. He said that at yeah, the, the press event that you know yeah. that this was a, a coaching thing, not a Ross thing. I just like yeah. you look around, look at that team, and Yusuf Nurkic is a minus defender. Damian Lillard is a minus defender. McCollum is an average defender. There's no stoppers on that team. Derek Jones didn't work out last year for that team. There, there's nobody there that that can get you stops, not not on a consistent level. So. I don't see how new schemes and a new coaching staff, maybe they get, yeah, a tick better. They go from whatever they were, 30th in the league in defense to like 20th, but that's still not going to put you in a championship position. This is just to me delaying the inevitable uh, with this group. So we'll see. But the Ben Simmons saga, it uh, shall continue. 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Any thoughts on the Hall of Fame? Uh, the uh, speeches were okay. I thought Paul Pierce standing up there thanking the nine teams that passed on him was vintage Paul Pierce, as yes. I tried to articulate in uh, the story I wrote. During the uh, the buildup, just Paul Pierce. Two, by the way, two things from for that story that people have asked me about a lot. One was the Yuri Welsh lie. I, I love, I just love that somewhere in like Croatia, Yuri Welsh woke up on Tuesday and was like, "Why am I trending on social media?" Oh, because Paul Pierce said, "Who am I going to pass to?" Yuri Welsh. So, uh, and the other <laughs> one was the, and the other one was LeBron stuff where Pierce is like, "I didn't want to work for ESPN because I don't want to talk about LeBron." Time. People have asked me like, "Is there a personal beef?" between Paul Pierce and LeBron. Now, I've often said, and I, I still believe, no, there there isn't. It's it's competitive uh, for two yeah. reasons. One, they were rivals for about five years, six years, when you know uh, LeBron started making the playoffs and going deep and the Celtics were going up against him. I mean, the Celtics effectively broke up that Cleveland team in 2010 when they eliminated them from the playoffs. And the other thing is, Pierce is a guy that really had to earn it every step of the way. He had some serious bumps along the way. Like, he was projected to be a top three pick in 1998. 
Slipped all the way to 10. Had to prove it from the beginning. 2000, he gets stabbed 11 times. Like, it feels weird. I mean, that was 21 years ago. But I defy anyone to give me an example of an athlete overcoming adversity in one season like Paul Pierce did. To get stabbed 11 times, to play opening night, and then play all 82 games that season with a protective vest on your chest to keep your stab wounds from opening up and with like an armed security guard behind your bench because you didn't know if the guys had stabbed you were going to come try to come finish the job. Like the physical and mental stress that Paul Pierce was under that season. And he still went out and averaged 25 points in that season. Remarkable. I don't think there's any more remarkable accomplishment in terms of overcoming adversity for one season than what Paul Pierce did in that year. So if folks watched the Hall of Fame speeches the other night, the induction ceremony, um, you might have noticed this. If you didn't watch it, I just kind of want to pull this all together because I thought this was fascinating, Chris. Um, if you focused on the four NBA players who were inducted, Chris Webber, Chris Bosh, Ben Wallace, Paul Pierce, there's a common theme with, through all four of those guys. And Webber in particular and Bosch articulated it quite quite well up there. Actually, Ben Wallace did too. Um, Chris Webber, toward the end of his speech, talks about embracing the journey and by that, the, the struggle that's, in, 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 that's the intrinsic to that journey. Webber certainly had his struggles as well along the way. He talked about nothing being guaranteed. And the perspective that you hear from these guys years after retirement, being inducted into the Hall of Fame, the honor and the, the, the weight that they feel with that, you know, a good weight, just the, you know, the, the, the appreciation. And you, you have more perspective at that stage. And so you can talk about, hey, the things that were toughest in your career, you then understand later, no, I had to go through that to become the player I am. So here it is a Hall of Fame. It's, a, it's literally a celebration of greatness, of these elite talents, these guys who were among the best we've ever seen play the game, who made a boatload of money along the way. And so all you think about is the greatness and what was so endearing, Chris, about all their speeches then is each of them highlighted how tough it was. Like none of this was guaranteed. Um, you point out, you know, Pierce... Not only, you know, falling in the draft, like, okay, that's more of an ego bruise, but then very real wounds in this bar incident and being stabbed 11 times. But then there's also just the first half of Paul Pierce's career where you remember this, like he was kind of viewed as a stats guy, maybe a little selfish, a little bit of a brat, immature. And we look at him now as, you know, a finals MVP and a champion and, and one of the all-time greats, but that was not guaranteed on the first half of his career. That, that could have gone in a very different direction. Ben Wallace, undrafted as we know, he's nobody for the first three, four, five years of his career, becomes a stud in Detroit, and then after that run ends, he goes into obscurity again in Chicago. Like, he had one of the strangest career arcs of anybody who's ever been inducted into the Hall of Fame. Chris Bosh... Putting up numbers in Toronto, but getting nowhere. But makes this bold move to go to Miami, wins a couple titles, and then he has these heart issues that force him out of the game early. So he, and, and that was heartbreaking for him and very difficult. And he talked about his relationship with Riley and, and how that, uh, you know, the importance of that. Um, 
And then Chris Weber, you know, um, didn't want to be traded to Sacramento, was upset about it at the time, had struggled in Washington. He had forced his way out of Golden State after a year. So the point being that there was all these jagged paths, but they all ended up in these four guys being on that stage. And I just think that that's a really cool lesson that both Weber and Bosch really went out of their way to highlight too. Like folks, whether they were talking to their basketball players and the, the guys were coming in behind them or just to all of us at large, like embrace the struggle, embrace the journey. This is what it is. It's not always clean and it's not always linear. Um, so I thought, I thought that was really great. So I, I enjoyed that a lot. And I loved, as we expected, Pierce was the most entertaining, uh, especially when he admits to showing up to shoot around uh, hungover slash maybe still drunk and Doc Rivers saying, go home and come back tonight. And, uh, and then he, he drops 30 and they win. I love that story. Hey, well, Pierce, I... <laughs> I, I believe that story. Um, Pierce, one of those guys, and there's only a handful of them. Like, Allen Iverson was one. Uh, I can't think of top end of the others, but, like, that could do that. Some guys tried to do that where they burned the candle on both ends. Paul Pierce was one of the rare guys that could do it, where and maybe it wasn't the best for the long-term health of his career. Maybe he could have been more on the back end if he took better care of himself, but he could go out and party till 3 a.m., and then roll out of bed and drop 30 points on you. Like, you know, Iverson did the same thing a lot of times in his career. Like, some guys just could do it. Some guys attempted to do it and uh, didn't go uh, quite as well. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. The Nikki Glazer Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glazer Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glazer Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glazer Podcast to start listening if you love sports and true crime then there's a new podcast from executive producer dan patrick and hosted by me jay harris that you won't want to miss playing dirty sports scandals each week i'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever i'm talking marcus dixon olympic gymnastics kane velasquez salacious super bowl level scandals Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off, grand slam, or a base hit to center field. 
Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Last thing for you. Uh, there's a new Mexico City G League team, the Capitans, that was announced on uh, Monday. Uh, the, the NBA has had, I don't want to call it obsession, but they are the most interested in Mexico City of the four major sports leagues. The NFL's had kind of a, it's dipped its toe in there. Uh, the NHL, as far as I know, has not. Uh, major League Baseball is more focused on the Dominican and you know Cuba. I mean, there's different parts of, of the world. The NBA has made Mexico City a priority. This is the next, the latest example of it. Now, this Mexico City team is not going to play its games in Mexico City this upcoming season. They're going to be I guess, based in Fort Worth and play their games on the road. But eventually, Mexico City is going to have a G League team, which, as we know, Howard, is just the NBA kind of taking a flyer, taking the temperature of Mexico City as a market for an NBA team. Now, my biggest concern with Mexico City as a market for an NBA team, I really don't know who's going to want to play there, honestly. Like, I have I wrote about this in SI a couple of times over the years where you know, when the NBA's taken exhibition games or even regular season games down to Mexico City. I've talked to players. I've talked to agents. Mexico City, and I've been several times doing boxing reporting, Mexico City is not the safest of places. There are sections of Mexico City that are pretty safe, but it's not the safest of places. There are bad things that happen in Mexico City. So that's my biggest concern about the NBA and even the G League having a team in Mexico City. Like, are you really going to want to have five guys that want to go play in Mexico in an environment that is both foreign and could potentially be a little bit dangerous? And has terrible air quality, if I recall as well. Um, yeah. It's an interesting gambit. Like They clearly love the market. The NBA clearly loves the market, the population, the potential to really set down roots in another country whether it's at the G League level for now or perhaps an NBA franchise in the future. I understand it from a business perspective, Chris, but you're right. The very first question you have to ask is, okay, so how's it going to work and who's going to play there and are they going to want to play there and how big of an impediment is that going to be? When you put a G League team there, you're talking about guys who really don't have much choice about where they play. Um, so maybe that's, you know, that's part of this is that, well, Initially, until we've really established ourselves and established that we can do this safely and that we can make this an attractive place to be, use use it at the level where you don't have to have the player's consent or their or their decision to go there affirmatively, right? <clears throat> but when it comes to eventually being an NBA market, if that's what they want it to be, listen, you and I are old enough to remember when Vancouver and Toronto first started up. And those are cities that are in much different place than Mexico city overall um, in terms of safety and everything else. They are English speaking cities. Uh, so the players wouldn't have to worry about language barrier or too big of a culture shock. Canada is not the U S but nevertheless players back then in the nineties were saying, I don't want to raise my kids in a foreign city with different schools and learning about Canada's history instead of, U.S. history. Like, it was an impediment. We don't hear it anymore because there's only one, one team, Toronto, instead of two. And because the Raptors have been there long enough now that I think 
and, and players and everybody have become a little more worldly in our interconnected internet world. But like in the 90s, Canada was considered too big of an obstacle for players. In an English-speaking country and cities that were right over the border and easily, you know, Toronto's a quick hop to New York and Vancouver's a quick hop to Seattle and Portland. Like Mexico City's farther and it's a much different place. Um, at some point, this will be an issue for the league, whether it's because of the G League team there or, or in trying to put an NBA franchise there. Uh, I'm not sure I, I buy it as, as the right move. Well, they've created what is essentially a two or three year window with this G League team. It's you know it'll it'll eventually get a chance to play its games in Mexico City, and then the NBA will be able to collect some data on you know, obviously how many fans are attending and what the live gate looks like. Uh, maybe people watching on TV, local TV outlets there, TV Azteca, you know Telemundo, things like that. Whether the broadcast uh, in Mexico, yeah. So they'll they'll spend a couple of years, I think collecting data before they make any kind of decisions on the viability uh, of its market. And as you know, I mean, the NBA is not super keen at the moment on expansion, though they have opened the door for it in the last uh, year or so. But there are other more viable markets that the NBA is kind of looking at right now, as you know, whether it's Las Vegas, uh, Seattle, going back there. Uh, I don't think Mexico City is high on that list. So I wouldn't expect to hear a lot of NBA to Mexico City uh, anytime soon beyond this G League team and probably the occasional games between Texas teams or whatever, whether it's exhibition or regular season. But this is the first kind of real, real salvo here the NBA is taking to to kind of testing the market that is uh, Mexico. Howard, uh, good stuff as always. Kind of a quiet week, but I'm sure it'll get a lot busier in the weeks to come. Very quickly, very soon. I'm not sure I'm ready, but uh, we, we, will, we will do it. We will be here either way. Uh, good seeing you again, my friend. We'll talk next week. Gear up. We'll see you next week. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is 
finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening.